following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church this morning. We are going to be showing a video uh, just now. Uh, that will be under the direction of our guest speaker, missionary Nathan Schrock, and his wife Hannah are here with us all day today. Looking forward to being together and sharing in the Word, and also uh, lunch after this, uh, not this service, but the next service, okay? So about noontime, we'll head over to get some food over here, and uh, there'll be tables in here if you would be in, like to be inside, or some tables outside if you'd like to do that. And that's our plan for, for the morning and early afternoon, so, and the Shrocks will be back with us this evening, Lord willing, so... All right, I think I'm going to turn it right over to you, Nathan, so come on up and we'll uh, manage the tech in the back and uh, you manage the pulpit up here for now, okay? okay? All right, thank you. Yep. All right, good morning. My name is Nathan, as uh, was mentioned, and uh, my wife Hannah is here at the front, and um, we have uh, two little boys with us, and uh, they are, uh, um, I guess they got to the nursery okay, um, so you'll probably see them around afterwards, run into them, or maybe they'll run into you, I don't know, um, but they are a, a bundle of joy, so we're thankful for them, glad to have them with us, and then we're expecting our third child later this year in November, so that kind of makes up our family, we, we're four right now, we'll be five, I guess we're already five, but um, we're, we're excited to be headed to the Ivory Coast, the Ivory Coast is a country in West Africa, as you're going to see here a little bit in our video, and uh, it's, uh, it's known also by its French name, Côte d'Ivoire. So if you hear Côte d'Ivoire or the Ivory Coast interchangeably, don't get it confused and think we're going to two different countries. Uh, it's the same place. Uh, so my wife grew up in the Ivory Coast or Côte d'Ivoire as a missionary kid. And uh, so she is, she is kind of like home to her. And then uh, since we've been married, we've spent almost a year over there together uh, serving the Lord and, and in ministry, and so now we're uh, just working on our support, de doing deputation, getting ready to go back there. And uh, so this video that you're about to see, um, I, we designed the video to kind of give you the, the broad picture, that give you everything that we can in seven or eight minutes, and uh, I think it, it will kind of give you the, the, the big picture of who we are and where we come from and where we're going and and uh, the whole story. So we'll go ahead and go with that, and then be thinking of. Um, we're gonna have time for some time, for some question and answer time later. Um, well, you can give questions. Hopefully, I can give answers, right? And uh, Lord willing. And then um, I'm gonna, you know, I'll be up later to, to after this video to say some more things. But but I just say that so you can be thinking of, you know, what you like to ask as as questions that we can answer about the Ivory Coast or about our family, about our ministry, whatever it is. Uh, so we'll go ahead with that video right now, and I'll come back after that. Welcome to West Africa. My name is Nathan Schrock, and my family and I are missionaries here in Cote d'Ivoire, or the Ivory Coast. Situated right next to the equator, Cote d'Ivoire is a country roughly the size of New Mexico. While I could spend 
hours telling you about the economic and political details of Cote d'Ivoire, we are primarily concerned with the people of Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire is home to about 25 million people. These are divided up into about 70 different native tribal or ethnic groups, each with their own language and their own unique culture. However, because Cote d'Ivoire used to be a French colony, its national language is French. Although the Ivorians work hard to harvest the vast natural resources of their country, a corrupt political system keeps most of them living in poverty. Religiously, Cote d'Ivoire is very diverse. Islam is the most popular religion, with about 40% of the population claiming to believe in Allah. Most of the remaining 60% of the population would claim Christianity, and nearly every Christian denomination has a presence here in Cote d'Ivoire. The sad reality is that the vast majority of those who call themselves Christians think they're okay because they give money to a church or do good deeds. However, what they're really trying to do is mix Christ with their own superstitions and animistic beliefs. Unlike millions of Africans in Cote d'Ivoire, I was privileged to grow up in a good Christian home where I was taught the principles of God's Word. When I was five years old, I received Christ as my Savior. When I was about nine years old, I read a missionary biography, and at that time, God began to plant in my heart the desire to be a missionary. After high school, I attended Ambassador Baptist College, where I received my ministry training. During one of my college summer breaks, I was able to take a trip to Cote d'Ivoire to visit the family of the young lady who was going to be my wife. Her family, the Cuthbertson family, have been missionaries in Cote d'Ivoire for about 25 years. While visiting in Cote d'Ivoire, I was impressed with the great need of the African people, as well as the great opportunity to serve God here. Since that time, my desire to reach the people of Cote d'Ivoire has only continued to grow. I also was privileged to grow up in a Christian home and accepted Christ as my personal Savior when I was five years old. When I thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be just like my mom missionary, a mom, a nurse, and a midwife. However, during a Sunday school lesson taught to us missionary kids by a young lady who came out for a short missions trip, I realized that I needed to be surrendered to God's plan for my life. I surrendered my life to the Lord and told Him that I was willing to do whatever He wanted me to do, and I would go wherever He wanted me to go, even if it meant staying in America. After graduating from high school, my sister and I went to the Philippines to work in a midwifery clinic and to study midwifery. Because women everywhere have babies, midwifery is an extremely useful tool on the mission field. Being a midwife, not only do I have the ability to provide care to women and babies, potentially saving them from unnecessary physical mortality, but also I have the unique opportunity to establish relationships with them and their families and to present to them their need to be saved from spiritual mortality. After taking the board exam and becoming a certified professional midwife, I attended Ambassador Baptist College where I met Nathan. 
We got married in May 2018 and have enjoyed watching God's leading in our lives. Following our marriage, we were not exactly sure what form our future ministry would take. So we decided to spend some time in Côte d'Ivoire to gain some ministry experience and to determine how God was going to lead us. We raised enough financial support to go to Côte d'Ivoire for about 11 months to help with my father-in-law's ministry. During our time in Côte d'Ivoire, we have seen God do great things, and we have been able to be a part of Africans being saved and discipled. This time has also allowed my French language ability to progress so that I don't need a translator for preaching and teaching. Now that we have spent nearly 11 months in Cote d'Ivoire, we believe that God is leading us to return to West Africa on a full-time basis. We are being sent by the First Baptist Church of Wayland, Missouri under Pastor Dan Dietrich with the help of Baptist World Mission. Like many countries of the world, Cote d'Ivoire has many large cities. However, in between these large cities are hundreds of villages. These villages range in size from several hundred up to a couple thousand people. While many of them are now beginning to get electricity, the majority of them have no power and draw their water from wells. Most importantly, the people of these African villages are hungry for the Word of God. During my time here in Cote d'Ivoire, I have been able to see firsthand that the people in the African villages are willing and eager to be taught the truth. Unhindered by the constraints of the time and schedule-driven mentality that we are so used to, they are willing to sit and be taught at almost any time of the day or night. It is our desire and vision to see the people of the African villages come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said this concerning the treasure of the gospel. He said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We see ourselves as nothing more and nothing less than the earthen vessels ordained by God to be His messengers to a lost and dying world. It is only when we fulfill our role as Christ's servants that God does the work through the excellency of the power of the gospel of Christ. We look forward to seeing what great work God will do in the villages of Cote d'Ivoire. Will you pray with us for the people of West Africa? All right, thank you for watching. Uh, I know you didn't have much choice, but um, I trust that that gives you, uh, a, like I said, a, a picture and kind of the overview of who we are and, and uh, what we believe the Lord is is going to do and, and will do in, in West Africa. And so the, when, we, when we talk about going there as missionaries, I know that there's many different types of missionaries. Um, you know, you have uh, the the Lord leads in many different ways as far as leading people to the mission field. But we believe God's called us to church planting ministry, 
And uh, we, what that means is that, uh, that, well, Christ told us in the, in the Great Commission, he told us to go and make disciples. And so our desire is to make disciples, which really, uh, disciples are followers of Christ. And uh, our, our, our desire is to minister to the people of the Ivory Coast in a way that uh, will lead them not only to become, uh, to be saved, but so that we can disciple them or lead them in becoming disciples of Christ. And we believe that's done through the, the ministry of the church. And so our, our desire is to go and, um, to, to plant a, a, um, what will eventually become a nucleus or a headquarters for our ministry, a church that from which we can branch out into the surrounding villages. And you kind of saw, I started to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but there's the in in between the cities there are there are I, I think I said in the video I think I said hundreds but uh, realistically I could probably say thousands of villages um, and within driving distance of any city there will be uh, usually several dozen villages within half an hour to an hour driving distance and so our our plan is to uh, begin in one of those smaller cities. And then from there, branch out into the surrounding villages. And um, we're excited to see wh- what the Lord will do in that. The Ivory Coast, as a country, uh, it's, it's a unique, um, well, it's a, it's a neat place because if, well, I, I like to say it this way. If there was one word that I would use to describe the Ivory Coast, I would say that it is an open country. It's open. And, uh, you know, not just in... in like we think about the borders being open and the you know easy to get in and out of which it is uh at this point it's it's not difficult at all uh to go back and forth you know to go over to west africa and and to to uh, and it's not even that expensive you know fl- plane tickets aren't even that expensive to go over there which we're thankful for um but what i mean is that the hearts of the people are open and um you know people are individuals so i can't i can't say you know, 100% of the people. But what I mean is that, by and large, when you walk down the street and you talk to people, people, um, the people's hearts and minds are open to learning the truth. And uh, it's neat because over there, you kind of have a uh, an aspect of of interpersonal relationships that we don't really have here in the states because we're we've kind of. Um, culture has evolved if we could use that term to where we we just drive cars everywhere right we we just you pull up to a stoplight you might see the person next to you eating a hamburger as they're sitting at the stoplight but that's about all the interaction you have when you're just sitting in your car you know and uh when everyone's walking uh and you just walk down the street uh, like like in in the ivory coast and many countries like it uh it's easy to stop and talk to people and it's something that I experienced during the time that we were over there last year. It was neat because I really wanted to practice my French. Growing up, you know, out in the Midwest, in Missouri, we didn't speak French. So I needed to learn that. And so I picked up quite a bit from my wife before we went over there, but I needed to practice that. And if you've ever learned a language, you know that practice is is really the key to getting it down to where you can actually speak it. And so I, I started walking down the street Soon after we got there, I, I would just go out and walk down the street and try to start talking to people. I say try because 
I was trying to talk uh, in French. But uh, people were very friendly, trying to help me with my French. And pretty soon I met this guy. His name was Alex. And uh, I won't get too deep into the story, but um, Alex was a security guard at a house uh, where he, he pretty much just sat out by the gate to make sure nobody broke in and stole things while the, while the, the, uh, the occupants were away. And uh, so he was just standing out there and had all the time in the world to talk. And so I came by and started talking with Alex, and he started helping me with my French. And we began to develop a friendship, and over several months, I was able to keep returning, and he wanted me to, to you know, help him study the Bible a little bit. And um, he was kind of under the influence of a Jehovah's Witness missionary. And that's something that we face in the Ivory Coast just as much as here in the States. Uh, when, we, when we're walking around, if we hand out tracts or, you know, uh, literature to people, uh, people say, oh, I already got that. Well, what they mean is they already got it from the Jehovah's Witness missionary. And uh, we say, well, we're not the same thing. <laughs> uh, that's, that, uh, this isn't the same thing. Um, anyway, that's different. But Alex, as we began to talk, or as we began to, to discuss spiritual issues, he came uh, to realize that uh, what the Jehovah's Witness man was telling him was, was clearly uh, not lining up with what he could see in Scripture. And uh, with the Lord's help, my, my French eventually progressed where I was able to present him with the, with the gospel in French. And then uh, uh, maybe a month later, I don't know exactly the time frame, but we were talking again, and, and he, Alex finally came to the point of making a decision to trust Christ as his Savior. And uh, so I say that to, to uh, just as an illustration of what I'm talking about, that the people uh, are, are open, and uh, we have so many opportunities to just, to, to, to the, the Lord's opened so many doors. When you're willing to, to, like I said, just walk down the street and people are willing to talk, uh, there's so many doors that are wide open. And I saw this even more when talking about being in the villages, even more in the village setting, uh, you know, people will just... Uh, will we'll sit down and, and listen if you're willing to teach. And uh, so for me, knowing that there's people that want to learn the truth and that will come to a meeting if we have a, you know, a, a Bible teaching a, a, a type of meeting, my desire is to go and teach. I want to fill that role and to be the teacher and uh, to spread the truth of God's word. And so that's what we're excited to do. Um, you saw there that my wife is a midwife. And uh, so we're excited to see how God will use that ministry. We don't know exactly how that will work out down the road and in the future, but we know that God takes the abilities that we have and he uses them for his glory and for his purposes. And uh, so we're excited to see how the Lord will use that down the road. And uh, we, we are at, um, right now, around 16% of our support. Um, so we're kind of still on the front end of it. And the Lord's been, Lord's been blessing as we've been on the road, and uh, we're excited to see how he'll continue to provide. We would love to be able, uh, by the end of next year, end of 2022, to have our support and be able to be you know, making plans, buying tickets to get back over there. So that's kind of the goal we have in mind. And uh, so we, we're, we're just excited to see the Lord provide for that. So we're thankful for you all today, allowing us to be with you. And um, I don't know if there's, you know, I can't think of what else I would have, I would have um, uh, needed to say. But, uh, Pastor, were you going to say something? Or I thought.
I was just going to ask a question, Nathan. You mentioned yes, you talked to Alex, uh, your friend, your night watchman friend, so to speak. Yes, sir. Um, if if he were, uh, if we were an Alex, and we said, "What must I do to be saved?" Because there may be somebody in this room or listening online who does not know the way of salvation. Could yes, you explain it for us? Why we need to be saved? What is the way we respond to God? You know that sort of thing. Could you just take us through that? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So the 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 way that I think of the gospel is it's a um, well, primarily, I think we have to see that there's a problem. We have a problem that in that we are separated from God. God is a he's a holy God, a righteous God, and our sin puts a barrier. You know, when when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were immediately cut off from God, and they they felt I believe they felt a spiritual death uh, in as strong as we feel a spiritual or, or a physical death. Uh, when when someone a loved one passes away, they felt that separation uh, from God, and and we are we have that separation because of our sin. We are cut off from God, um, but God provided a way in His Son. He He sent His Son to Earth to live as a man on the Earth uh, for thirty something years, and um, it, during that time, the Bible tells us that Christ was a uh, he was the God man. He was God, both God and man, and uh, he was completely sinless. It says the Bible says that he was tempted in all ways, like as we are, yet without sin. And so, as a man, he was capable of taking our uh, punishment on himself, and he suffered that punishment on the cross. He was he was executed for sins that he didn't commit. Um, in our place. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, so we deserve a punishment, but Christ took that punishment on himself. And uh, the Bible says that he, he, he died, was in the grave three days and three nights, and uh, he rose on the third day. He rose from the grave, and um, he, he conquered death, uh, so to speak. He, he won the victory over that the death that is the separation between us and God. He uh, provided a way for us to be brought into newness of life and, and to, be, um, to be reconciled to God. That's kind of a big word, but it simply means that we are, we can be, our relationship with God can be fixed. We can be, uh, um, we can be, yeah, reconciled is the best word, I guess. It's kind of a big one. Um, but our our relationship can be repaired, and we can be uh, uh, children of God uh, if we. And, and all that's all that's required of us is to accept that gift of salvation that Christ offers. And uh, when the Holy Spirit calls uh, and draws a person, all that person simply responds to the to the uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit. And and uh, if if a lost person believes what Christ has done for them, and asks, God will save him. And that's a promise of Scripture. It's not, not based on a feeling or, a, or emotion, but God said, uh, if, we, if we ask, he will save us. And so that's what we base our, our eternal life upon. Um, can you explain the role of repentance? Yes, sir. Repentance is a, is a change of mind. I believe the the a a lost person 
has to have a change of mind and a change of heart, and we call that repentance. The Bible calls it repentance. It's that simply uh, a change of mind about Christ and seeing Christ in, instead of you know just a uh, a person uh, a a you know a good person or a good teacher or whatever, seeing him as the the substitute, the sacrifice that God provided for us. But it's a change of mind also about ourselves and seeing, um, you know, I am a sinner before God and seeing ourselves as who we really are. And um, repentance, you know, it involves, I, I think, I believe it involves several different uh, concepts that, you know, I think it ought to involve a sorrow for sin, and that's a part of seeing our sin for what it really is. The change of mind about our sin um, is is an integral part of that. Um, and so we, to be, in order to be saved, we have to see ourselves, we have to see Christ as who he is, we have to see ourselves as who we are, and say, you know what, I am hopeless, I can do nothing for myself, and it's a, it's a change of mind of making making a decision to trust fully in Christ. All right. Does that Anyone answer your question, Pastor? Yes, thank you. Anyone else have other questions? All right, yes, sir. I'll give you a break from theological questions. <laughs> sure. You, you mentioned other work in the country. Will you be working with anyone else, or will you be in a new area of the country? Great question. So my wife's family have been there since the early 90s, um, as I mentioned there in the video. So our, our plan going back is to start off working with them and spend probably about our first year in ministry under them and, and with them. And the part of the goal of that time will be for me to have a French tutor because, like I mentioned, I can speak, you know, I can carry on a conversation and uh, I can preach in French, but I don't want to continue for the next however many decades making a lot of mistakes and, you know, just slaughtering the grammar and <laughs> that kind of thing. So my goal is to have a tutor um, to get myself up to speed with where I need to be with that. And then um, also during that time, we'll help out in the youth ministry in their, in their church, uh, my, my in-laws' church. But then long-term, after that initial time, our desire is to branch out into our own ministry. And um, we, haven't, we don't have one city nailed down where, where we believe God is leading us to, but it'll probably be further north into the country. Um, there's... There has been a lot of mission work done, especially further south along the along the coast. Uh, but there are some areas further north that are really needy, and uh, our desire is to to branch out into one of those areas and to settle down in one city um, and plant a a church that will become a a headquarters, and then branch out from there and, and plant churches in the surrounding villages. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, it's very possible. Like especially for special meetings or things like that, um, you know, people can people can travel from one village to the next. Especially, you know, it, a taxi. You can get a, a taxi for usually probably a dollar or less. Um, but for when you're talking about people that are <laughs> you know, quite poverty stricken, um, that's not something they could afford on a weekly basis. Um, so. Our desire is to see uh, churches planted in their villages, not to say that they can't travel, you know, to the next village if they if they need to. Um, but most people 
would not be able to take a taxi into town to go to to go to church um, you know, every every week. That just wouldn't be economically possible. And so that's kind of what we see as the need. You know the, that we need to need to bring the gospel to them. All right. More cool. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, there are a few things. Um, right now, there is a Bible, um, I, I forget if it's, they don't really call it a college, but it functions as a, anyway, it's a, it's a ministry training school that's been there for, I don't actually know, years. It's been there um, in the city where my, my in-laws are there on the coast. And so that is a number of young men that we know that have um, felt the Lord drawing them to ministry and wanted to learn to, you know, learn to preach, learn to learn the Bible. Um, they have uh, been able to go through that school, and it's not large. You know, at any one time, they might have half a dozen students. You know, so it's a very small institute, um, but that is a is a a place where you know people can go to get training. It, moving forward, you know, a few years down the road, we might see it. Um, as you know, if the Lord so leads, it may be uh, useful to have something like that further north into the country where I'm talking about where we may end up going or where we plan to end up going um, because travel isn't really easy. Um, but right now, that's kind of what's there. Does that answer your question? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Nathan, could you repeat the question for the sake of people listening? Okay, sure. Thanks. Yeah, the question was kind of just what daily life looks like, what our housing situation would look like, and um, what life would look like. Is that kind of the broad? So the the thing about being on the mission field, many and I've heard this from many different uh, missionaries and. and Whatnot, but uh, life uh, takes longer. Uh, just just living, you know, and and finding the things that you need uh, just take up a lot of time, a lot more time than things here in the states. But um, as far as what we anticipate living conditions or, and things like that being like, um, you know, there are many things there uh, that you would be surprised what is available there and what we can have. Um, I was constantly surprised while we were over there last year, you know, what was available. It was kind of funny. There were, like, equal parts. Half the time I was really surprised what was available, and the other half of the time I was surprised that we could, you know, at things that we couldn't get. Um, it kind of went back and forth like that. But, you know, we can have refrigerators and, and microwaves and, and uh, running water and electricity. Uh, in most cities, those things are, are pretty commonplace. Um, so those... Those kind of conveniences are available. Now, that being said, uh, on any one day, you don't really know if you're going to have electricity. Just because it's hooked up to your house doesn't mean it's actually going to be there. Um, there would be, uh, while we were over there last year, there were a number of occasions where we'd, you know, we'd wake up in the morning and the electricity's off and it would be off all day and uh, maybe come on that night or maybe the next day. Um, so, you know, those, it's maybe not as reliable, but you do have access to those those kind of conveniences. And so it's not, um, 
you know, city life in a city or in a in a in a town isn't um, that. I wouldn't say it's, it's. I was gonna say it's not that different, but it is very different. But we do have access to some of those kind of conveniences. They build everything with with cement block over there, and so you know you can kind of imagine what houses look like. And um, most all houses in in town will have a wall around them just for security, and um, that. You know, some people, you know, when we talk about having a wall around your house, the concern, obviously, is that that separates from you from people. Um, but what I've seen in, in my wife's folks and uh, what I'd like to replicate is having an open-door policy. Not that the door is actually open, but whenever someone knocks, you know, they can come right in and uh, they're, they're at home or, or they're, they're welcome, you know, in the house. And so that really, it, it, it's living, it's not necessarily living... Um, with a, you know, we, we might have a few conveniences that the average African person wouldn't have, but that doesn't distance us from them, and um, doesn't it doesn't make a big separation. But anyway, I don't know if I'm staying quite on track with your your question, but um, are there like their markets there? Yeah, there is, uh, especially a little bit bigger cities will have like a supermarket. Um, and the city that my wife's folks are in has a, a pretty nice supermarket. It has one uh, nice one and, and some smaller ones then. Um, but, but maybe, did you have something to say about that? When she says market, she means like the the farmers market where people are bringing in stuff from the villages and and. Uh All right. I appreciate, or I like having my wife weigh in a little bit because she has a little bit more cultural insight sometimes. Yes, sir. Sure. <laughs> 
violence and things like that? Yeah, good question. So the question was about like what if the country basically if I could sum it up if if they're if it's peaceful, I guess it's kind of what you're shooting at there. Um and it it is. It the people are they're peace-loving people. Um and there are we get asked a lot of times about um you know the Muslim population because there is a significant uh Muslim population there and the even the Muslims are quite peaceful there. Um, and don't don't really cause you know trouble. We don't feel threatened or um, you know in physical danger. Now, if we leave things out in the open, you know things will get stolen all day long. But but that's just you know it's anywhere. It's you go to New York City and it's like that. So um, the as far as personal danger, no, we don't we don't feel that. When things get rough is usually around election times uh, when there's a uh, you know, kind of a conflict over election results and that type of thing. And, um, you know, things can easily become violent. But here in recent years, it's been very, very peaceful. In the early 2000s, a number of missionaries had to leave because things got, things got really rough for a little while. They kind of had a, a civil war in the early 2000s over, I think that was over, basically over an election. And um, so, the, you know, we, we asked the Lord to keep it peaceful um, so that we can stay there. But right now, we're blessed that it, it's it's very peaceful. That answer your question. Okay. Yes, sir. You're right. Yes. At this point, um, there's a mixture. My understanding is there's a mixture of Christian and Islamic influences in the government. It doesn't really lean heavily one way or the other. Um, so right now, it's open, and and actually, missionaries are respected. Um, in in large part, even you know by the police and and uh, military, they'll have blockades going into every major city, and um, usually if we you know our vehicle says something like Baptist Mission on the side of it, and they just let us right on through without any problems, where they you know they'll usually stop people and and try to get money out of them, um, so that you know those aspects it's kind of neat you know to see that, but I think I saw another hand over here, yes ma'am. What the weather is like. Okay, it's it's pretty much hot all year round. Uh, we're right next to the equator, and so there's kind of two seasons, or, or you know, it goes back and forth. You have two two um, anyway, two types of weather. You have the hot and and dry season, and then uh, where it's really hot and dusty, and uh, you, you can clean the tables, you know, off in the morning and dust everything, and by noon it's, there's a thick layer of dust on. It. Um, and that's that's the dry season, and then you have the hot and wet season uh, when it, it it'll rain and rain and rain, and all the roads get washed out and and things like that. But but uh, that kind of that's the they don't really have a a cold season and a hot season like we have. I know you probably have hot, hot and cold here in Michigan. Um, I, when, I know we did in Missouri, we, I, but no snow, nothing like that in the Ivory Coast. Uh, it's usually in the 80s and 90s percent humidity um, uh, year round, uh, on average. So, and the length of days don't don't vary much at all. It's almost right on 12 hour days all year round. So, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah right yeah 
it, it's usually in that range. You know, 75 is on the cold end for, for Africans. You know, if it gets down to 70, you'll see a lot of people out in big parkas and, and uh, you know, put, packing on the layers to try and stay warm. Yeah, they are quite, um, I don't know, civilized is the right term, but modernized. And so there's still a lot of animosity between certain tribes, um, but by and large, they get along. They've learned to, with the, with the modern advances of, you know, living in, in a city where there's a lot of tribes all together, they've kind of had to learn to, you know, get along with other tribes, uh, even though there's there's still some animosity, like I said, between certain ones, but... Uh, it's a, that's a unique dynamic of the culture there. Nathan, we're going to have to put a time out okay. on it for now. Sounds yeah, great. so why don't you pray and close this service, and then we will have about uh, 10 or 12 minutes until the start of our worship service. Thank you, brother. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had this morning to talk about the Ivory Coast, and I just thank you for the privilege that it is to serve you and to be going there. there. <clears throat> I pray that you would uh, be with be with us this morning as we look at your word here in a few minutes, that you would speak to us. I pray that your word would impress on us what your desire is for us today, and that we would be attentive to hear how we can how we can change and draw closer to you this morning. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.